We are in Torah Chaf in the Kutimaran, Torah 20. This Torah is called Tisha Tikunim. The nine rectifications, the nine Tikunim that were given over, that are that are given over to the beard, that are uh, dependent on the holy beard. Okay, that are alluded to within the beard and that are represented by the beard. In the beard, we're speaking about the heavenly beard, so to speak. Obviously, there's no shape and there's no form in the spiritual realm, but it's metaphorically, there is. That's why the Torah tells us that man was created in the form of, of God. What does it mean in the form of, of Hashem? Hashem doesn't have any form. It means metaphorically, the way that Hashem revealed, decided to reveal Himself, His godliness to mankind in that same metaphorical form, okay, and everything that, that represents on, on every level of understanding, that's how Hashem created man. So that means, what does that mean, right? That What's significant about that realization? Practically, it means that a person can look within just by knowing yourself, becoming aware of yourself, completely aware, you can know Hashem. By knowing yourself, you can come to know Hashem. Because the way that we are built, the physical aspect, the spiritual aspects, all of these parts of our soul, the right arm, the left arm, and what that represents, everything within our reality, the way Hashem created us, was created in a way that through knowing, through becoming aware of ourselves, we come to know Hashem. We come to know godliness. And that's the Pasuk, I think it's a Pasuk in Eov, that says, From my flesh I shall gaze upon God. The Arizal Rabbi Chaim Vital brings this pasuk many, many times throughout the Eitz Chaim and uh, the others farm to tell us that whatever it is that we learn in Kabbalah about what's going on in the higher realm, we can learn it, those concepts and those aspects, there are metaphorical representations of that in our physical world, in our physical reality. And whatever we see in the physical reality, will teach us about the spiritual. Obviously, there are also klipot. There are things in the physical world that are corrupted. And you don't have that in the spiritual realm in the side of holiness. But it could be that it's representing something in the spiritual realm in the side of unholiness, in the side of tuma, in the side of klipa. But everything that you can see has an a version of that that is unseen, that is in the unseen reality. Okay, in the spiritual reality. And so the beard as well. The beard that we have represents a world, very, very, one of the highest, holiest worlds, okay, that is called the Dikna Kadisha in the Zohar. The holy beard, the Dikna Kadisha. And in this Dikna Kadisha, there are 13 points through 13 channels through which Hashem's unconditional love and unconditional love and infinite grace is poured upon us. When a person is tapping into that, 
So then a person has spontaneous miracles manifest in their life. All of the Yeshuot, anything that a person wishes for is manifested. Without any, without needing to be worthy or unworthy, you know, it's it's a place that's beyond that. How does a person tap into that? Now that's a, that's a whole other, a whole other, uh, a whole other shear, a whole other class, a whole avoda. There's a whole way, a whole process of tapping into that. But once a person has tapped into that, so then that's unconditional love. These are, and in this beard we also have nine points, the Tisha Tikkunim, the nine rectifications, nine Tikkunim that are given over to the beard, and that's what here. This is the third parak, third chapter in Sefer this Nyuta. That's what it begins by speaking. About. And so yesterday we spoke about the story, the vision that Rabbi Nachman had, uh, that Rabbi Nachman said that every one of the Torahs in the Kutem Uran is explaining that story on some level out it's alluding to aspects of that story whereas this torah torah tishati kunim the 20th torah in the kutamaran the whole torah is a represent is a is an explanation of that story what was the story in short rabbi nachman saw a person a being a person lying in in the middle of he was lying on the ground on his side surrounded by people sitting surrounding him one circle another circle many 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 circles every circle surrounding the previous circle and many 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 circles and then at the end after all the circles there were people sitting with not in an order of a circle and he was moving his lips in the middle and as he was moving his lips they were moving their lips and then all of a sudden Rabbi Nachman saw that he disappeared and when he disappeared they stopped moving their lips and then Rabbi Nachman asked he asked what's going on where did he go and they said that he his fire was extinguished he cooled off he was he became cold and he passed away okay and therefore they stopped therefore they stopped uh, moving their lips basically their their speech their power to speak was dependent on him okay and now that he is gone so now they can't speak anymore and all of a sudden everybody started running so Rabbi Nachman followed them to see where they were running to. And they ran towards these two big, beautiful palaces. And in these two big, beautiful palaces were two kings. Okay, There were two kings that lived, one in each palace. And they went to those palaces, these two big, beautiful palaces. All these people are running towards the two kings, the two leaders, the Sgarot. And they were complaining to them. They wanted to kill them. Why did you mislead us? Why did you misguide us? And so the kings, they ran away. They fled the scene. They fled their palaces in order to save themselves, to save their lives. And Rabbi Nachman says, I looked at them and they were beautiful, wonderful beings. Wonderful, amazing. And I really liked them. They really found, uh, they really found Matsuchen Be'enai. Okay. I really, they were pleasant in my eyes, says Rabbi Nachman. And I, and I followed them, I ran after them, because they were running away from those people that were complaining, wanted to kill them. And I saw that, I saw that they were running towards a beautiful tent, and from the tent, they, there were people. They were shouting to those two kings, warning them and telling them, go back to where you came from, right? And gather all of your merits, all of your values in your hands, in your arms and go to the candle that is that is suspended that is 
that is um, that is suspended in the air and that's where you will be able to be saved that's how you will have your wishes manifested and fulfilled and so they went and they gathered their merits and they came to the candle and they threw all of their merits onto the candle and the candle all of a sudden these sparks fell out of the candle and into their mouths and it fell into their mouth and then the candle transformed itself into it was transformed into a, a river and when it was transformed into a river all of the people were drinking from the river and then there were these beings that were created within them and when they opened up their mouth to speak those beings came out and were born and I went and I saw and they were says Rabbi Nachman they were running going and coming back okay which is interesting it's like what Yechezkel says about those angels the angels that are called chayot were going and coming which is a concept that we spoke about a few times throughout the classes concept in Kabbalah which is the concept of ebb and flow right energy comes and goes just like the waves of the ocean okay and so these beings were going and coming and they were not human and they were not animal they were just beings and then I saw that they were they decided among them Rabbi Nachman to go back to their place, go back home. But they said, how can we go back home? We will send somebody to the man that stands be between between the heaven and earth. And his sword is also takes up the space between heaven and earth. And who are you going to send there? They sent those beings. So the the the, the people that were sitting in this in this circle that afterwards they drank from the water and the beings were created within them and those beings were born from their mouth when they wanted to speak they said we want to go back home and how are we going to go back home how are we going to get back home we're going to send somebody to the man that stands between heaven and earth with his sword that is also between heaven and earth filling up the whole space who are we going to send we're going to send those beings and so they went those beings that they sent them and I went after them to see what happens. And they went to this man who was standing between heaven and earth. And his sword was also filling up that space. And that sword had many, many blades. And each blade had another power of uh, 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 of pain, of consequence, of punishment. A negative power. Power to kill, a power of sickness, a power of, of uh, poverty. And they asked that man for one of those blades one of the sides of the sword so that they can use it against their enemies and uh, he didn't want to give them any they wanted they wanted the, they wanted the, the one of, of death he didn't want to give it to them they wanted another one they didn't he didn't want none of them he didn't want to give them any other blades and then all of a sudden there was a decree that those kings should be killed and then the whole story starts again the same story happens again but now so it begins where there's this be this person that's lying down on his side and on the ground and then he's surrounded by people sitting in a circle and then that circle is surrounded by another another circle and another circle another circle and then they're all speaking because he's speaking and then he is he disappears and then they stop speaking because he disappeared but now i saw that at this at a certain point where in the first version of the story they had thrown the kings throw their values, their their merits upon the candle. Now they're not throwing it upon the candle, but they brought the they gathered all of their 
their merits and they came to the candle and they broke their open up their heart and they poured out their heart in prayer davening to Hashem and asking with his infinite kindness his unconditional love to help them not with their merits but to help them and to save them with his unconditional love and then at the end the candle transformed also it transformed into a river and those the people that were surrounding him they drink from the river and those beings were created within them and then those beings came out of their mouth when they wanted to speak and they told me says Rabbi Nachman that in this version of the story the kings will not be killed why because they didn't throw their merits upon the candle and the first version of the story they was decreed upon them that they should be killed because they threw their the merits upon the candle now they did not they asked they prayed from their the depths of their heart for Hashem's unconditional love and that's the difference here says Rabbi Nachman I didn't know what was the meaning of the story and they told me go to that chamber and you'll understand I went to a chamber and I saw a man an older man sitting there with a long white beard and I asked him Rabbi explain to me the meaning of my vision and he said he grabbed onto his beard and he said my beard is the explanation of this vision and I said Rabbi I still don't understand so he said to me go to that second chamber and there you'll see the explanation of the story of this vision so i went to the second chamber says rabbi nachman and in that chamber i saw the chamber had no end to it it was infinitely great infinitely big filled and filled with with uh, walls and aisles upon aisles of books and books and books and, and manuscripts and wherever i would open up in any book that I opened up, I would see that it was explaining this vision that I had. Every book that I opened up, I saw another explanation for this vision that I had. And so that's the vision that is going to, we're going to get some sort of clarity on some meaning, on some level of this vision throughout this Torah. And so Rabbi Nachman begins this Torah by this piece in Sifrit Yuta. We're going to translate, we're going to also read the way the Zohar explains it, because it's more, it's more than just a translation. Let's read what the Zohar says about it. I'm going to read the Hebrew translation to, the, to this piece of the Zohar. Because it's not just about the literal translation, it's understanding what it means. The nine very precious rectifications were given over to the beard whatever is hidden concealed and not revealed is greater and more precious and the beard the world that is that is called the dikna kadisha the holy beard is hidden it's not described explicitly in the in the torah what's the first tikkun it's the hair of the beard right here at this point, right by the opening of, right next to the ear. Okay. The second one is the hair on top of the, the lips. Okay. The third tikkun, 
המפסיק באמצע השפה העליונה. Underneath the nose, there is a path in middle of the hair from, that, is, that is going from one side to the other side. There's a pathway in the middle, underneath the nose. So that pathway represents the third tikkun. That's the, the channel that represents the third tikkun. And it has smaller hairs. It's not the same type of hairs that you have on both sides. The fourth one is the cheeks that are filled with hair from on the right side and on the left side. And then the fifth one is that there is a space in the cheeks that that are you don't have it is not covered with hair it is not covered with a beard and it's like it says the czar it's it's like two red apples red like a a rose hashishi the sixth one are the the strong thick black hairs of the beard that go that are very long that go down all the way to the chest the seventh tikkun by the way, just to pay, re- recognize that in the Zohar, there's, there's something called the 13 Tikkunim, the 13 uh, Midot of Rachamim that are represented by the beard, and then there's also the aspect of the 9 Tikkunim. And these are connected somehow, but they're not one and the same. It's two different aspects, okay? So it's important to re- know the difference. Uh, the seventh one in the 9 Tikkunim is the lips that are empty, or that are uh, clear of any hair it doesn't grow on the lips themselves and they are also called described kabbalistically right all this is it's not actual but it is metaphorically kabbalistically described as red like roses and clear from any hair and the eighth one are the small hairs that cover the that grow on the neck of a person. And the ninth one, ninth tikkun are the big and smaller hairs that mix together in the beard that goes down and beard that come that comes and goes forth. These nine tikkunim of the beard, he is found to be strong and powerful. What does that mean? So these nine tikkunim are in the world called Zeir Anpin. Okay, and by Kriyat Yamsu, for example, Hashem was was revealed to Am Yisrael like a young and powerful king of war, right? Which is which is the aspect of Zer Anpin. Whereas when Bnei Yisrael received the Torah, Hashem revealed Himself to them from 
the place called the place where Hashem is metaphorically described as an old man with a white beard. It's a metaphor. Okay, and what is that referred to? That refers to the rachamim, the chesed, the unconditional love. It's a much softer, more loving, more compassionate revelation of Hashem. All metaphorical. There's no form at all. Okay, and so that's the difference of what we experienced by the splitting of the sea, how Hashem revealed Himself to us at that point, and then how we experienced Hashem by receiving the Torah, when we received the Torah. And so here, the nine tikkunim of the beard are representing the beard, the points in the beard of Ze'er Anpi. And he's called Gibor Vitakif, strong and powerful. And he has also, his beard is metaphorically described as black. Whereas the Atik Yomim, okay, the one of ancient days, okay, that means the revelation of Hashem as as old, an old man, a compassionate old man. That's what it means, old man. It means that he's compassionate, an older man that is full of 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 of, uh, of joy and happiness and compassion. And there's no forcing there. It's like an effortless flow in, in the consciousness of that of that wise old man. Okay, it's all metaphorical again. And so that there, the beard is described as metaphorically being white. And it has 13 points, 13 tikkunim, the 13 tikkunim of Racha. Okay. So that's, that's the, this is until here. So this is the part that we have from the Zohar, from the Sifra Ditsniut, the nine tikkunim. Now Rabbi Nachman begins the Torah explaining how this applies to us in our serving of Hashem. So says Rabbi Nachman, Da, Da sheyesh neshama ba'olam shal yadan nitgale be'oreo perushe ha-Torah v'hi mesubelet be'yisurin pat ba'melech tochal you should know, says Rabbi Nachman, there is a soul in the world through which the Torah, the Torah's explanations and the Torah's lessons are revealed. So there is a soul in this world that is kind of like the wellspring of all the explanations of the Torah for the whole world, for the whole generation. Okay? And says Rabbi Nachman that this soul is burdened with suffering in order to be that channel, that wellspring of infinite life that comes through the explanations and the understandings of the Torah for the generation, then that soul needs to be burdened with suffering. Why is that? Says Rabbi Nachman, this concept is described in the Mishnah and Masechet Avot that says that uh, bread with salt shall you eat, water that is measured, meaning not as much as you want, but a certain amount of water only, shall you drink, for such is the way of acquiring Torah. That's what the Mishnah and Avot says. The Rabbi Nachman is explaining to us that that means 
that the soul that is the wellspring of all the explanations of Torah for the whole generations lives its life burdened by this type of suffering. Okay, it doesn't have all, it doesn't really live the abundance of all the good things in life. It lives a limited, its physical attachments are very, very limited. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Okay, we know that the Gemara tells us about the, the greatest souls of the generations that were the channels of Torah for the whole generation. People like Rebbe, Rebbe Yudha Nas, uh, even Moshe Rabbeinu, they were tremendously, tremendously wealthy. They had tremendous abundance at their table. Even, you know, Shlomo Melech, right? They had tremendous wealth and abundance, all the good things in this world. What it means, burdened by suffering, it means that they, they maybe had the good things of life, but they weren't attached to it. That's the, that's the point here. That's the burdened by suffering. So suffering is not really a good word for the, a good uh, translation here. Because suffering, the, the definition of suffering is resistance to pain. Right? Resistance multiplied by pain whatever pain you are experiencing as much as you resist that pain that's how much a person will suffer so suffer is not pain itself so here maybe suffering is not the right translation maybe we would, we would say that this soul is uh basically it doesn't have it, it, it doesn't experience it doesn't experience the abundance of this physical world in its physical sense okay maybe that would be a more a nuanced way of translating what that means here in this context okay and says rabbi nachman that all of those that explain torah in the generation all of the people that come and teach torah in that generation all of their explanations and all of their insight you can have a million people in that generation teaching shiurim giving classes in torah wherever they are but they all receive their insights and their understanding and their explanations of the Torah from that soul. Now this soul that is the wellspring of the understanding and explanation of the Torah for the whole generation, all of her words are like burning coals burning fiery coals why is that so says Rabbi Nachman because that's the nature of the of the Torah the Torah is fire we have a pasuk in in Yirmiyahu that says is not my word like fire the Torah is like fire and like we know that Moshe Rabbeinu says in Sefer Dvarim Esh dat lamo Right? When we receive the, the Torah from Hashem's right hand, we receive that fiery Torah from Hashem's right hand. So the Torah is fire. Like we were speaking about in Torah of Tvila Habakkuk, Torah 19, the previous Torah. The holy fire of the tree of life that extinguishes the unholy fire of, of, um, of illicit, immoral, sexual uh, lust. And so the Torah is a holy fire. That's the holy fire of the Torah that burns all of the impurities away. It extinguishes all of the impurities away. But its nature is fire. 
okay to the extent that a person has that fire is tapped into that fire experiences that fire then that Torah will be alive within them and it will live through them but then there is also we know there is this aspect of Amalek that that cools off that cooled you off it happened upon you on the way he happened the nation of Amalek in the war against Amisra in the desert he happened upon you in the desert but the word for he happened upon you is a word that also means that he cooled you off he cooled off that fire of the Torah and that's the right it says that by Yisrael when Bnei Israel came to the place called Refidim, the Gemara tells us Refidim, Refidim, they make a drasha, it has a connotation of meaning Rafu. They weakened their attachment, their connection to the Torah. They're, they weakened their their strength, the strength, the power, the power, the fiery and powerful connection to the tree of life was weakened. Like it was cooled off. And that's when Amalek was able to attack. So that's the power of cooling off that fire. But that's what Rabbi Nachman is saying here. That this soul that is the wellspring of Torah, of explaining, understanding the Torah for the whole generation, it has to be its fire. It's uh, it's burning. It, it, its nature is like a burning coal. Burning coals. Because the nature of Torah is a burning fire. A holy burning fire. And if and when, says that Rabbi Nachman, when that soul falls from this aspect of burning fire, it's no longer a burning fire, is not my word like fire, and it's word so the words of that soul are no longer burning fiery words of the holy torah so what happened its words were cooled off okay that fiery burning fire was extinguished that's when the soul that holy soul passes away that soul passes on goes away from this world disappears from this world and when it passes away from this world, so then all of the explanations of Torah that came through her, through this soul, the wellspring, are also gone. They go. They're no longer found. And when those explanations of Torah that came from that soul that now was cooled off and extinguished, her fire was cooled off and extinguished, and now she passed on, and now her explanations also are no longer found. So then all of the explain all of the people that were teaching Torah in that generation, and all the people that were understanding Torah in that generation, and all the people that were learning Torah in that generation, anyone in that generation at all that experienced the insight and the understanding of the Torah, they will also lose their understanding of Torah. They no longer have that understanding of Torah. All of the commentators, all of the ones that come to explain the Torah are not able to access those explanations of the Torah anymore. And then there is a terrible quarrel, a terrible 
argument against the tzaddikim of the generation. Why only now that the soul that is the wellspring of all explanations of the Torah, now that she has gone, all of a sudden there are arguments and quarrels and, and wars against the tzaddikim of the generations. It says Rabbi Nachman, because it is the explanations of the Torah, the understanding of the Torah that answers up and answers up any questions. And when there are no questions, what does it mean a question? It means an objection. It means a doubt. All arguments, says Rabbi Nachman, on a deeper level is really a question. Any argument that there is, any quarrel that there is, is a question is not is not is left unanswered. Okay, that's a deeper way of seeing any argument in the world. Any argument in the world, it's because there's a question that was left unanswered. On some point, on some level of consciousness, there's a question here that was not answered. And so the answer to all the questions, says Rabbi Nachman, and therefore what, the, what causes peace in any quarrel, in any argument, is the answer to all questions. And the answer to all questions are the explanations of the Torah. And when the explanations of the Torah are lost, because the soul that is the wellspring of those explanations is lost, she passed on, so then, all of a sudden, all of those arguments are reawakened in the world. All of those quarrels against the tzaddikim are reawakened. <laughs> because there's no lot that you don't have those answers. You don't have the answers to come to cause peace. The answers to the questions that cause peace from all the arguments. Okay? And so we'll see more about this, Bizwara Shev, in the next shear.